and sorry. We are Daf Samach Dal and Amar Aleph, starting from Daf Samach Gimel Amar Beis, ten lines from the bottom. Hahu uh, Mavua, two line, two words from the end of the line. Hahu Mavua. We we learned, we know that we know that when a non-Jew is in a group, whether it's a courtyard or an alleyway, that the non-Jew has to rent his portion to the Jewish people. If he doesn't, they cannot make a shituf. There was a certain alleyway where an, an idol worshiper named Lachma Yitzchak used to live. So the Jews said to him, Rent us your portion. So we're able to make a really shituf and bavos, we're going to keep saying a roof. So he says, We didn't want to rent to them. So the Jewish people said to Abaya, uh, 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 so they came, they said to Abaya, uh, tell, you know, help us to give us some way that we can make a shita from this alleyway so that we can carry. Here's what you do. All you Jews go and you all cancel your rights in the alleyway to one, to one of the, to, to, to one, to one of the Jewish people. Okay, and you'll have some benefit. Okay, and habile yachid, but and it'll come out now that there's only one Jew together with one non-Jew. And we said according to the opinion of Rabbi and Yaakov, the rabbis didn't make the degree when it's only the degree when it's only one Jew with a non-Jew. Since that's not a normal occurrence, they didn't make the decree that the non-Jew forbids them. And uh, at least at least they'll have the ability here to do something. I mean, it won't be complete, but they'll be able to be able to, be able to carry stuff that's already in the alleyway, or they'll be able to take stuff from the one guy's house uh, uh, outside. Amrule, so Amrule, so, he said, Midu, so they, they said to Abai, what kind, of, what kind of claim are you making? You're solving a problem abstractly, but you're not really complying with the rabbi. He said, the whole point is the rabbis did not want uh, Jewish people to live with idol worshippers, and when there's a lot, so they said, okay, when there's one Jew living with idol worshipper, it's not common. But here, you t- there are many Jews, which is exactly what the rabbis don't want. And you, you abstractly said they're one Jew, but they're really many Jews. Come on, wasn't the whole reason why we said Rabbi Lesmiyako said that one Jew is okay because it's not common? So you turned it illegal. A lot of Jews into illegal one Jew, but it is common because it's a lot of Jews. Here they do live there. It's not common for one Jew to live with with with, with an idol worshipper. You have a lot. This is a lot. You're abstractly making them one. They're really many. Amarlu, he says, no. He says, no, don't worry. He says, he says when, when people nullify their portions of the, their portion to one, that's uncommon. And we have a different rule of the rabbis. Any uncommon occurrence wasn't included in the decrees of the rabbis. That's a completely different rule, and therefore it's okay. He told over this whole ruling of Abaya in front of Rava. So Rava said to him, oh, he, says, he says, you can't do that. He said, for different. He says, he says, now you're going to cancel the whole idea, the whole knowledge that people have to join together from that Mavoy. Since, they, so what, since they're never going to be able to make an air, why? Because the non-Jew doesn't want to rent to them. And People are going to forget that they have to that they have to make an Arab at all, and they end up carrying even without even without canceling their even without being mabachli even without uh, uh, foregoing their rights all of them to one. So Mara says, okay, don't worry, the No, it's where they also, even though it doesn't help, they make an Eruv, even though it doesn't help. So they remember that they're supposed to make an Eruv. Those they'll make an Eruv and every build Mabatha is just the one guy. So he says, no, it's still no good. Yomer Eruv They're still gonna they're gonna think that an Eruv helps when there's when there's an idol worshiper in the courtyard. It's not gonna be good. 
It's not. It's not. It's not going to be a good thing. So no, the Machazina no said, look, we announce it. No, as they say, listen, we're making an A. We even does doesn't help because it, because we're really nullifying our shus. So therefore, everybody knows what they're really doing. So what what could it be for children for that for future generations? They're not going to know what's happening. They're, they're going to just see that you're. Uh, um, they never heard the. They never heard the announcement. And uh, they're going to see you carrying. Uh, carrying without having with, looking like what that you made an a roof with an auto worshiper in the courtyard. Alama Rabba Rabba says, Listen, here's what you have to do. You want to fix this situation. One person should become close to the auto worshiper, become friendly. Let him, let him ask him for a place in the courtyard to be able to use it, that he would be allowed to place things there. Why is that? Because we're going to, have, we're going to see that anybody who's a worker of the idol worshiper also can stand in place of the idol worshiper to join together with the other Jews. That's not a big deal. A Jewish worker for, non, for, for an idol worshiper, he can stand in the place of the idol worshiper to join with everybody. Because then once he has the rights to put something into the courtyard of the, of the idol worshiper, so then he'll be like his hired worker or his seasonal worker, and therefore he'll have, he'll have the... And we learned... Uh, even the worker of a non-Jew, of a Kito, or even his seasonal worker for the side of worship, he can he can join in the air. He can be partake of the air with the other Jewish people, and it's enough. And you don't need to worry about the fact that that there's a idol worshiper owner. He says, let's say you had five workers or five seasonal workers, and now is everyone going to have to join her? Because enough for one, or is every single one of them, every one of the Jewish workers who works with the non-Jew is going to have to join into the Arab. Amalei says, he says, Imam if we use the idea of the worker or the seasonal worker of the non-Jew to be lenient so that we can be able to have them join the Arab and to be able to make the alleyway uh, permissible, we're going to do it to, to are we going to make, are we going to say the idea of the worker or the seasonal worshiper to be to be stringent and say you need all five? No, certainly we're not going to say that. That wasn't the point and you can definitely be lenient. Gufa, let's go back to what we're talking about. We said even the Worker, even the seasonal worker, no even the Jewish worker or the seasonal worker of the non-Jew, he can he can join in the Arab and that's sufficient. We get around the problem. And said, "Wow, this what a wonderful teaching this is." Another time, said. He said, okay, uh, If a person drank a a revius, a quantity, what we call it, eighty six cc of wine, he shouldn't paskin halachas. Why? Because he has not clear headed. Amar of Nachman Loma said, ah, that's not such a good, that's not such a nice teaching. Why? The whole honor, because I'm he says I'm special. He says it's called Kamadalishina Revius. We rustle the Khamra Lotzila Dai Tis. I'm the opposite. If I haven't anytime I haven't drunk uh, a revius, eighty six cc of wine, uh, my my mind is not clear. Amalei Rabba. So Rabba said to him, he says, my time Rafach, he says, why did you say this? Ham Rabba, he says, why are you going to say this is nice, this is not nice? Didn't we learn that we said, my dichti v'roa zonos yabed hon? So they, they darsh in this passage, zonos zed noe. The person says, this is a nice, this is a nice teaching, this is not a nice teaching. The person loses the uh, the wealth of Torah. He learned, he's going to, the person going to forget his Torah. Kolom Rashmuzu noe. Anybody who says, like zonos zed noe. Anybody who says, this teaching is nice. Uh, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it. And this one's not nice. I'm not going to keep it. I'm not going to row. I'm only, I'm only keeping the ones that I like. Okay. The person loses the wealth of Torah. 
Because in other words, really the person cancels the honor of Torah, and the end he's going to forget it. That's what he means. He cancels, he, t- he destroys the honor of Torah, and he's going to lose it. So he says to him, Hatri B, he says, look, he says, I, 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 I renege. I'm not going to do that anymore. I, 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 I uh, renege on my behavior. I'm a rabbi, rabbi, who know? Shasayis Paolo says a person who a person who has who drank wine should not daven. He mispalo tefila tefila. But if he daven, his prayer is a prayer. Shikoyis Paolo. But a person a person who's drunk shouldn't daven. He mispalo tefila tefila. Then, but if he then if he prays, then his prayer is an abomination. That's no good. Hechidami shasay hechidami shikoy. So what's the difference between a person who drank or a person who's drunk? These two rabbis were taking leave of each other. We're going to see the answer to our question. They're taking leave of each other on the bridge over the river of Yufti. Okay, so everybody should, each one of us should say something. As we part, somebody should teach over a teaching that his friend hasn't heard. Because we learned, a person shouldn't part from his friend except by saying a halacha. Why? Because that way the person can remember him. Every time they come up with that subject, they remember the person. One of them opened and said, so he taught this teaching. He says, what, what, what's an instance of having a drank and what's an instance of being drunk? A person who drank is a person who can speak in front of a king. He, he drank, but he can speak in front of a king. A person who's drunk is a person who can't speak in front of the king. So that's, we, we learned that point, but we're going to continue the story. The other one opened up and he said, Let's say, you know, you know that a person who converts to Judaism, if he hasn't had children and he dies, he doesn't have any heirs, because his only real heirs would be, would be Jewish children he had after he converted. So if he dies without any children, so his, his, his possessions are ownerless, and everybody can, can, can grab them. So if a person was able, he got a windfall. The, 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 the non-Jewish convert, the, 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 the convert without children died, and this person got a windfall and got his possessions. What should he do in order to maintain them in his hand? Why? Because because what happens is because he got them easily, people are jealous and they have a, they have an evil eye on him. So what does a person do to protect himself? So he said, "Yikach behem Torah." The person should take some of the money and and said, "Yitach behem sefer Torah." Guy should come and he should and he should uh, buy a sefer Torah. So that, that that's a way of protecting him. That'll that'll keep the rest of the money. Rav Sheshes said, "You know you don't have to go so far." Pardon me. He says, furthermore, also, let's say even a, even a person who, who, uh, who got possession, his wife brought uh, wealth into the, into the family, he should do the same thing also in order to avoid the ayin hara. He should, also, he should also buy a safer Torah with some of the money. Chorus says, look, even if a guy did business and he made money, he should still do the same thing. Okay, Rav Papa Armar Afilu Afilu Matzmitzira. Papa says, you know what? Even if a person just found a lost object and got it easily, he should also protect himself from the Ayin Hara this way. Rav Nachman Beitzak, Rav Nachman Beitzak said, he said, he said, you don't have to go that far. He said, Afilu Kasev B'Tfilin. You don't have to uh, buy a safer door. Even writing Tfilin is uh, is going with some of the money will be good enough. Amar of Chadin B'Tam Rav Chanina Micro. What's the passage that tells you that uh, dedicating uh, things to mitzvah purposes? Uh, that's that's a way of protecting your money. The chesiv as, as it's written by Yidah Yisrael Neder etc. The Jewish people swore a vow that if Hashem is going to let them be successful in the war, they're going to dedicate they're going to dedicate the spoils of their cities uh, to the Beis Hamikdash. Okay, uh, uh, okay, and there and 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 on that merit, they were answered and they won their battle. 
If a person will travel one meal or sleep any amount, that is going to uh, dilute the effects of the wine and the person will be able to says That principle of one meal or sleeping is only when a person just drank one revius. If a person drank more wine than a revius, then all the more so is he going to be forbidden to pray if he goes on the road. Because the, because the going on the road is going to confuse him even further. And, the, and, the, and sleeping is going to make him even drunker. So the whole idea of a meal or, or, or traveling a meal or sleeping is only when, you, when, you, when, it, when it was a revius. But more than a revius, traveling will make it worse and sleeping will make it worse. But one second, but even this, let me ask you a question. Is one, does one meal really of traveling really dilute the effects of the wine, Tanya, didn't we learn? Once upon a time, it's a big story, but we'll see in a minute that we're going to see that you need more than one meal for wine. You need three meals, as we'll see. One time, once upon a time, Rabbi was riding a donkey. He was traveling from Akko to Gzib. Why Rabbi Eli was traveling after him? Where Eloi found loaves of bread or, or rolls on the on the road. And we have a principle you should know that we know we don't leave food on the ground. If you see food on the ground, you pick it up, you don't pass it by. So he saw these rolls on the ground, he found rolls on the ground. Amarlo. So so Ramgavlio said to Rabbi Eli, Eli, he says, pick up these rolls from the ground. Then Rabbi Gamliel found a certain non-Jew. Omerlos, he said to the he said to the non-Jew, Megavai. He called him Megavai. Told Gluskevel Eli. He says, "Take these rolls from Eli. You, the non-Jew named Gavai, take the Megavai. Take the rolls from this Rabbi Eli." Nitpalo Rabbi Eli. Rabbi Eli went up to the Rabbi Eli went up to the non-Jew Omerlos, and he said to him, "Meichanatay, say where are you from?" Omerlos, may I your Eli show Burgundy? So I come from a, a village of of uh, shacks where people live. Umashim Chai said, "What's your name?" Megabai Shmini. He says, "My name is Megabai." So Rabbi Eli says, "Wait a second. He says, "He says, Klumi Kircha Rabbi Gamliel. Did Rabbi Gamliel ever meet you before? How, you know, he knows your name." Amalo. He said to him, "Lab. No, he never met me." But it was a Shaw at that moment when he saw when we saw that Rabbi Gamliel was able to call this non-Jew by his name without having asked him. Lamanu, we learned Shikim Rabbi Gamliel Baruch Hakodesh. We saw that Rabbi Gamliel was able to see things with the divine spirit. We learned three things at that time. One, we learned that you don't pass by food that's on the ground, but you have to pick it up. You have to move it away. You have to, or you have to at least move it. away from the road. Also, that we that we that we when we have to determine whether this bread was Jewish bread or non-Jewish bread, we follow the majority of travelers. And since the majority of travelers were non-Jews, that's why Rabbi Leo said that they didn't want to let Rabbi Lai eat the bread. He made him give it to a non-Jew. And furthermore, we learned that the that the that the chametz of a non-Jew, even though you're not allowed to eat it, but you're allowed to get pleasure from it. You're allowed to get you're allowed to get benefit from it. Because otherwise, Rabbi Loi wouldn't have been able to give give these rolls, even as a gift to the non-Jew, because when you give a gift, the person's gonna pay you back, he's gonna owe you, and therefore that's getting benefits. So you see that even though he wasn't allowed to eat it, he was allowed to get benefit from it. Came to Gzib when Rabbi Gamliel got to Gzib. A certain man came to uh, to ask about his vow. He wanted Rabbi Gamliel to undo his vow that, that he should that he should be released from to really to release him from his vow. 
So, so, so Ram Gamliel said to the person with him, to Rabbi Loi, this is, he says, he says, didn't we, didn't we drink a revius of Italian wine? Amar he says, yes. He says, he says, he says, he says, yeah, we did. So so Ram Gamliel says, Im Kane. So he, he says, I, you know, he's saying, look, I can't, I, that I'm not going to be able to release this person from vow. I'm not allowed to, to, uh, to paskin halachas. He says, let this let this person walk behind us until until our wine is diluted, the effects are diluted from us. And he traveled after them three meal. This is the main point of the story that we caught word for. And we said, we, we said before, you only need one meal. He traveled three meals. Until he came to the to the uh, to the heights of the mountain of of Tzor. Okay. Uh, um, a cave in Shigil, the Sumer, the Torah, he came to the heights of the mountain that saw Then and only then, Yard Rabbi Gamliel met a Chamar. Gamliel got down from the donkey, Benisatev, and he wrapped himself in his talis, which is the way that people uh, people uh, do judgment. V'yashav and he sat, v'hitol and Israel, then he released the man from his vow. V'harbi dvarim l'abadu both the shor. So he said, we learned a lot of things at that moment. Lamanu shavius yani talking mishakir. One we learned that a revius of Italian wine makes a person drunk. And that's why Ram Gamliel had to travel to dilute the line before he attended to releasing the man from his vow. But the we learned that a person who's drunk is not allowed to uh, to paskin halacha because he wouldn't know it's and because Ram Gamliel wouldn't release him from his vow until the wine went away. We learned that traveling dilutes the effects of the wine because that's what he did. He traveled and then he paskin. We also learn that a person doesn't, you don't release a person with a vow, not when you're riding a donkey, not when you're walking, and not when you're standing on the Yoshev, only when you're sitting, because that's what Ramaliel did. He got down and, and, uh, and from the donkey, etc., to release the person from the vow. So Gemara says now, finally, this is the reason we brought the whole story. Ketani Mias, at all events, we learned, we learned that they traveled three meal, not one. So how can we learn before? So how, so, so that was, how did Ramba Abba learn, teach us that it was only one meal that you needed to dilute the wine? Sigmar says, no, we can, re- we can re- resolve that difficulty. Shani, uh, uh, Shani, Italian wine is different than that makes the person more drunk. Regular wine goes away after traveling one meal. But Italian wine, which is very intoxicating, that you have to have three meals. Sigmar says, one second. One second, but didn't we learn that the whole principle of traveling in order to, in order to dilute the wine was only by a revius, when it was only revius? But if a person drank more than a revius, then, 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 the, then the traveling is certainly going to confuse the person, and the sleeping is going to make him even more drunk. So since this wine, this Italian wine, is very intoxicating, then it's also, it's, it's the same thing as a person drank more than a revius. So what good is traveling going to do. Okay? So what could a traveling do? So we, we, he still didn't solve the problem. So Gemara has really really two answers. The first answer is Rosh Hashani. No. Riding is different. When do we say that traveling makes a person confused? Okay? Uh, 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 it makes a person confused when he drank more than a is. That's when the person is walking. But over here, uh, but over here where he's riding, he, he, then, 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 then it does not make him more confused. Okay, one second. If you're ready to say that, if you're saying that riding is different than walking, so then I don't even have to say this whole point about the Italian wine being worse. Okay, okay. Then I can say I never. I can remove in general the, the kasha to Rami Abba and say even though here we said three meal and over there. He said, 
he said one meal. Since we said riding is less is less is less uh, troubling than walking, said Rachav Shadi. So I could say simply that the reason why he did three meal over here is what because since riding is less troubling, okay, you have to you have to ride three meal to uh, get rid of the wine. Uh, but uh, but only and only but only when is one meal good enough when you walk? So we can solve the whole problem by saying that riding takes a longer time than walking. Walking after drinking, uh, and you could say one reviews of of wine and one reviews of, of Italian wine are the same. But walking, walking, we have to work hard. That takes away the wine after one meal, and riding only takes away after three meals. So we don't have to have the whole uh, make the whole difference between the wines. Says the Gemara, one second. Did you know it's really true what you told me that you're only allowed to release a person from a vow when you're sitting? Inni, is it really true? Didn't Rav Nachman say that you can that you're allowed to release a person from a vow whether you're walking, whether you're standing, or whether you're riding? I said, oh, Tanahi, don't worry. It's really this whole argument is based on a, on a, on, my, on an argument of the Tanaim. In other words, Rav Nachman said that you didn't have to be sitting. It's true. And Rav Amliel obviously held that you had to be sitting. But I want to explain what the, what the problem is. We have a famous issue. How do we release a person from a vow? So there's two ways to release a person from a vow. One way is say, listen, if the person feels bad, uh, that's good enough. That's, uh, if the person says, I, look, I regret that I made the vow, then you can release them from the vow. That doesn't take much work. It doesn't take a lot of thinking to get the person to say that, they, that they're sorry that they made it. But if we say it the other way, that you have to have a, a Pesach, which means what? You have to have a way of showing that the person not just feels bad, but they, they made the vow by mistake. In other words, only we can say, had they known X or Y or Z, that they, that they would never have vowed, so it was really a mistaken vow, that's when you can release them. So if you hold that, you can only release a person with a vow by finding this type of Pesach, the way Rashi learns, which is what? That you have to say the person really made a mistake. So then it's hard work, you have to be sitting. But if you hold it, all you need is regret. So it's not hard work, you don't have to be sitting. And that really is the difference. Why? So the Gemara says, Tanai, you know what? And no problem, that is the Machlokas Tanai. There's one opinion of what that it's enough to just to, to release a person with a vow that, that that he just finds the person that says he, he says he said he, with the person just says pardon me one opinion says post that you have to have also in addition to the pardon me that in addition to the person uh, regretting the vow you have to you have to find a way to say the person said oh had I known X or Y Z I never would have vowed it's a mistake. Domain post the one says no, that, 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 that regret is sufficient alone, and you don't need to find a Pesach, a, a way to say, oh, had he known, he never would have done it, that it was a mistake. So that's exactly the point. We said, my Pesach, and that's what we'll see. So the answer is, the Rav Nachman, who said that you don't have to be sitting, holds all you need is regret. Rav Gamliel, who made himself sit because he holds, he had to do more, he had to find a way to show that the person made a mistake. And we can see that it's true. My because he said, let's see, I'll show you exactly, look at the way that Rabbi Gamliel released the person from the vow. You see that he didn't just find regret, but he showed, that he found a way to say that the person made the vow by mistake. Because he, he said to him this Pasuk, he says, Yesh bota There's a case where a person expresses themselves, they make a vow, and they get stabbed by swords, but the language of, of the wise can heal. So he said. So this is and this is what he said. To, this is what Rambamliel said to the person. He says, "Call abota any person who expresses themselves to makes a neder He's fit that he should be. He should be stabbed with swords. But the but the but the language of the of the wise men will heal. They they release the person from the neder. So that's how that's how Ram Gamliel got the person out of, out of his vow. He said to him, "If you knew that you're not that it's forbidden to take to make vows and that a person who takes vows is really." 
really obligated to be killed, would you have taken a vow? So the, the person says, no. He says, if I knew that, I wouldn't have done it. So he got him out. So you see that he didn't just do it with regret. He did it by showing that it was a mistake. Had he had known this, he never would have done it. So therefore, it takes more work, and therefore he sat down. Omar Mar, we learn, okay, we said that we, that we don't, one of the things we learned from this story of Rabbi Gamaliel was that you don't pass food on the ground by, but you're not allowed to leave it alone, but you have to, you have to take it away from, out, of, out of the road. So he said, That was only true that you had to take a pick up the food when it was in the earlier generation. When the Jewish girls were not were not were not commonly doing witchcraft. But in later times, where the Jewish girls are are commonly doing witchcraft, then you are allowed to pass by food on the ground because maybe it was maybe it was put there in a way to do damage to the people who would pick it up. And uh, even though we said this, we said that bread belonged to non-Jews. We said that everybody, even the Jewish girls, so everybody was doing witchcraft. Tana, we learn shleimim mavirim. We said that when it came to these pieces of bread, he says, he says, he, he says, he says, because of that, in these later times, whole loaves of bread we pass by on the road. Petitim, But if they are pieces, mavirim, you don't pass them by. Why? Because you never have to wear because they don't do witchcraft with pieces, only with whole loaves. He says, one second, you want to tell me that they don't do witchcraft with pieces of bread? Didn't we learn that that's exactly what the Pasuk said? But you profane me uh, with my people, okay, taking away the faith in God, okay, by, by, by doing witchcraft, uh, by doing magic, with fistfuls of, of barley, and with pieces of bread. So they see, see, like they do do witchcraft with pieces of bread. So they said, no, that's not what the Pesach is saying. It's not saying that that's how they do the witchcraft. That's what they get paid for doing the witchcraft. The shakli bagraya, no, it's that, it's that, the, it's that, the, it's that, the, it's the, it's the, that the, it's the, it's the, it's the fistfuls of, of barley and the pieces of bread that they that 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 not that they use that to witchcraft they would take that as pay and therefore what we said is true originally and that they only do witchcraft with whole loaves and not with pieces and that's enough everyone have a wonderful week and a wonderful day.